This is Refigure with Chris and Rifo. A weekly dive into our favourite bits of culture, tech and diversity. This room looks like a garden, it's got so many flowers in it. You've got a lot of flowers for your birthday this year, haven't you? No, I'm a very lucky girl. Do you want to shout out everyone who sent you flowers? No. Because then I don't want to make everyone who didn't send flowers feel bad. Hello and welcome to Refigure, our weekly ice skate across the fragile surface that is the arts, culture, tech and diversity. I'm Chris. And I'm Reefa. How are you today, Reefa? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, very cheery. On the programme today... We went to see Captain Marvel at the cinema this lunchtime, so we'll talk about that. And then we also went to Tate Modern, our first uh, Tate Modern trip of the year, and we saw all three big exhibitions that are currently at Tate Modern. So we will talk about that, and in fact we recorded that segment in the Members Cafe at Tate Modern. So we've already done that, which means less to do now. I also did my event, She Says Brighton event happened on International Women's Day, 200 women turned up out of the 300 that signed up and it was fantastic, the five speakers went down really well, it goes really fast, Um, it's a really high energy event and uh, yeah everyone, we had quite a lot of young people like under around 12 year olds and under came along which is always nice so there was a lot of swearing in some of the talks but they learned about design <laughs> so they learned about they learned some swearing but they also learned about design principles they learned about collaboration they learned some really personal stories one of the speakers talked about um some health issues that she had and i think it was really inspiring now our main topic this week is we went to see Captain Marvel. Now, if you're not into spaceships, superheroes, end of the world scenarios, aliens, you're not going to enjoy this film. So I'm not going to try and persuade you to come. But if you are somebody who quite likes that sort of genre, then you might actually be interested in the Marvel series. Now, I'm no expert. I think I said this on a previous episode of Marvel Comics, and I've watched them all now, all upside down and back to front. I've watched Doctor Strange, the Iron Man series, the Guardians of the Galaxy, all the wrong way around, and um, it doesn't matter. They're all brilliant films. We're not all brilliant. Some are more brilliant than others. Some aren't that so good. But, um, and all of the ones with the Avengers in now, I'm like hooked so we went to see Captain Marvel, which is the story of a young woman who finds herself back in the 90s on Earth, trying to piece together how she can save the world from an alien invasion. I really enjoyed it. There's some twists. There's the 90s soundtrack, particularly good with female-fronted bands like Hole, Destiny's Child... TLC. It's a great soundtrack. Elastica. Some funny gags in there about um, the speed of the internet in the olden days, in the 90s, and CDs and whatnot. Uh, She's wearing a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt throughout, but it wasn't quite as funny as Guardians of the Galaxy. But what is? What is really... 
it's less of a, a gang thing it's more of she's a superhero and she's trying to find out where her past has gone and it's a bit of a puzzle and a mystery but there's some really lovely heartwarming scenes with um her friends and actually i was really moved in quite a lot of it there's some montages with young women that i found really moving um it's quite a different film to the other marvel comic films and if you weren't really uh, believe it or not there are a few women that didn't really enjoy wonder woman you might enjoy this one a bit more what did you think well, it's interesting that Wonder Woman's only, what, two or three years old, and that was DC's first female-led superhero film, and this is Marvel's first female-led superhero film, and Wonder Woman definitely isn't as strong a film as this, in my opinion. This is a better film overall, but with Wonder Woman, there was this sort of other extra emotional impact of it being this powerful woman character, and this time round, she's she's really powerful it hits all the same notes of making that clear and it's a really good film in that sense but it just felt more normalized already and it felt like i enjoyed it more i wasn't wasting my own time feeling pc about it if you know what i mean i just relaxed and enjoyed it in some ways that meant i got moved less by it than i was moved by wonder woman despite it not being a great film because we've seen it now and that's great and hopefully we'll move towards it being completely not even worthy of mention that whether the the main character in a superhero film is a woman or a man or of any gender or of any background we can fill in the gaps ourselves about what these two women probably had to go through one a woman of color working on an air force base like being trying to be pilots and then they actually mention oh we weren't allowed to fly combat planes at that time so we were having to work on this special project with this other female pilot and all of that is really important and it's you're right but it was sort of harking back to an era which we our generation understands of huge amount of sexism like you know if you ever say to anybody as as recent as the 80s women weren't allowed to run marathons they just think you're mad I feel much more positive about the film than a lot of the critics did. I don't know about you. But, like, the critic thing has been a bit mixed. And a lot of critics have said, oh, they kind of caught a bit on the Samuel L. Jackson-looking 30 years younger thing. And I wonder if that's because critics are so immersed in the film world that they just think about Samuel L. Jackson all the time. (laughs) Because I started watching it, and it took just literally a couple of seconds before I was just thinking of him as fury back in the 90s i did have a look at his cgi because we watched the talk a few weeks ago about the way that they do the masking and all of that he did look a bit too smooth for my liking (laughs) he did his features yeah i found that a bit odd but it didn't matter it's not like he's dead you know the brought back to life it's not very funny she tries to be a bit funny at the beginning it's quite a serious film i think it doesn't matter what order you watch these films in, I swear, because they're, they're, this one is like, it's her backstory. It's her Genesis story. I think some of it is really beautiful. Some of the effects are amazing. And, um, you know, the end credits reminded me of that film that we saw with Oprah in it. What was it? A Wrinkle in Time. It's just made space look really glittery and beautiful. I think she carried it through though. If I hadn't really bought into Brie Larson's, it's Brie, Brie Larson. Brie, Jeez. and um, 
if I hadn't really bought into her portrayal of that role because also she spends most of the film very out of sorts like she's thrown from one reality to another some of it's in flashback she's never given all the information about herself for a long time in the film and I think she plays that really well so she's confused but still bouncing through this adventure and I, I really like that there were so many bits in it that really nearly made me cry like when they're going through her past memories that was really nice and it reminded me of that flashback scene in um, one of the episodes of She-Ra I can tell that there was women in the writing room writing this thing because then you get a much more nuanced heroine at the heart of the film and maybe the female friendship is written better is yeah. that yeah the main thing I didn't like is I'm not a fan of Jude Law at all <laughs> And he's in it. Whenever I see Jude Law, I'm just like, sigh. And I really liked the buddiness of, like, it was a buddy film with a blonde woman and an old black man. It was great. It was really good fun. I almost felt it was a bit like an unfunny, but that's okay, an unfunny Men in Black, which I really like Men in Black. I really love the, I love all three Men in Blacks. And I think there's four, isn't there? <laughs> And there's a new one coming. There's a new one. But I don't think... It's, how's, how's it going to be any good without Will Smith in it? I don't know. I, I don't love know. Will Smith. He's a genie in Aladdin. So oh. maybe, like, he'll do a well, cameo that's not in... a Marvel comic. No, well, Men in Black isn't either, is no, it? No, I know, but it's got aliens in it. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Like, oh, yeah. It's just, anyway. And it's also got this actor who I can't remember his name either. Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Who played Talos. He's great. Yeah. But also what's good about it is the, is the way that we didn't have to have a montage of her making her spaceship or fiddling with the phone to make it work so she could make intergalactic phone calls. That bit reminded me. <laughs> it's just like she was just in, like, it's just another woman in tech. That's what she's doing. She's just fiddling with bits and bobs, creating stuff just wasn't like a big deal like in Doctor Who they always do that don't they oh look I'm gonna make a spaceship out of like gobbins I've just found right <laughs> and I'm a woman too and I can make a spaceship um they don't they just, she just did it she didn't do a fashion show to choose her human Sci- outfits either no and that's fine do you think we talk about sci-fi too much sci-fi art, it should be called um sci-fi arts tech no we don't even do that much tech we do like sci-fi well tech is sci-fi isn't it yeah Jude Law what did you think about him no I thought he was crap I don't like Jude Law either (laughs) there's two British actors no one says crap there's two British actors I really can't get with at all him and Legolas Legolas Uh, who's now going out with bloody Katy Perry that's fake that's fake news I know I know but who cares but just... I love that that's like Rock, Rock Hudson going out of Elizabeth Taylor or something. basically the best role Jude Law's ever done was in AI when he played that robot and that's because that's precisely the right level of wooden for him is that he played a robot that mimics human stuff I just can't like, he's like a really pale imitation Michael Caine type or Danny Danny Dyer, isn't he? He's a pale imitation of Danny well, Dyer. Da- Danny Dyer's not putting that accent on, whereas he's always like, I'm so British. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. know. Who, sh- who should have played that role? There's also a little bit of um, Tekken in this film, which I thought was nice. Tekken. Nice oh, yeah. A little Street Fighter, yeah. something like that, anyway, yeah. in the background. So we'll leave you in the capable hands of us in the Tate Gallery, and then we'll come back afterwards.
What's your first impressions of the Dorothea Tanning? It reminded me of Magritte and Leonora Carrington. I absolutely loved that they had a movie about her and she had like just quite quirky 1950s housewife yeah. and yet she does all this subversive stuff with like bottoms and legs and children looking like they've been abused apparently she had a great childhood and then you've got this she got bored of painting in oils so she started making like soft animals except they're not soft toys they're not they're really surreal ones quite disturbing aren't they like big soft sewn stitched shapes really kind of somewhere between a horror film and erotic a bit of the like David Cronenberg about her work almost that that era of her work Mm. That's what surrealism should be, disturbia. Also, there is something about when we've seen women surrealists, they have more to say. It does seem a bit like the men who are surrealists have just led with their dicks the whole way through. So even when it's really complex, layered, weird imagery, it's all basically still that same thing of objectification of women's bodies and... Whereas this feels like she's exploring, she's got more, so much more nuances to explore. Like childbirth and a dog she's obsessed with. And like, a bit like Frida Kahlo with her obsession with, with bodily parts and death and rebirth. And There's a code in there somewhere, but she never really talked about it. So I love that we go all the way through the exhibition and then you get right to the end where there's the film. And the film's a bit where you find out about the dog, so she absolutely loves this little dog she's got. But then they've designed it so there's no separate exit, so you go back through the whole exhibition to leave at the end. But what I found was suddenly they'd created a way for me to want to look at it all again to try and spot the dog so I didn't notice the first time round. And there are loads of them, like loads of her paintings have got this dog in it. It's a Laza Upso dog, that's what they're called. Ah. Laza Upso. So she had an enormous long career as well, like 70-year career. Only dies in 2012. And it felt like a really rich career that changed properly as it went on. So first she's doing one kind of work. Then, as you say, she gets a bit frustrated with paint or whatever, and she ends up making those furry sculptures. And then she, she's making other sculptures and works and all sorts of things, really. And then she ends up as a poet and kind of almost abandons visual art altogether in her later years and becomes a poet. And I found that really nice. That felt really rewarding. Hopefully your life is long. So if you're going to live to 100, you might as well try and do as much as possible yeah. in the time available and experiment and do different things. And I got inspired by the shop and bought an, one of the Gorilla Girls T-shirts that I've always wanted to see as a T-shirt on pink. And they bloody did it, just for me, on my birthday. Uh, then we whizzed through the Pierre Bonnard exhibition, which is called The Colour of Memory, and he's really n- not that interesting because he's a bit of a... I mean, obviously, he's a really famous, important painter, but especially... Is he, though? Is he? Is no Matisse? Monet? Well, no, and he's influenced by these people where he kind of goes, oh, they're all doing... There was a bit on the wall that said, um, you know, he'd already established his name in a certain style and there's a certain thing, and then he sees all these other painters are starting to do this much more edgy, you know, work... 
and he just changes his work to be like that. So he's, he's to an extent, he's a copycat. Also, that was really rammed. Maybe if we hadn't... People if, love impressionists. I don't know why. It's just pleasing for people. It's very they, easy, isn't it's it? It's very easy. I don't have to think about it. The work in this cafe that we're sitting in, Rose Wiley's Scissor Girls, is more interesting. You see the scissors all around the cafe. Yeah, it's fantastic, actually. It's really it's good. It's really fun. But people don't get it. General boards are like, mm, it's not real painting. I want from a painter is some splodges and some flowers and a naked girl in the corner and then call it art and that's what they want in a nice frame. Well partly it's also going to the Pierre Bonnard after going to the Dorothea Fanny. Like maybe if we'd used Pierre Bonnard as a, a sort of slightly bland aperitif for Dorothea Fanning's work, which is far more intriguing and had far more ideas yeah, in it and far more sort of vi- was vivid. I don't think so. Was more vivid. I don't think so. You just think he'd be rubbish, I mean, whatever. Well, it's not rubbish. It's just that there, we <laughs> I, know. I know. Sorry. You know, women artists are always in the background, and that's why it's interesting for me. I've never heard of. Dorothea Tanning, even though I've been a surrealist fan for some for many years. That is amazing. Dorothea Tanning was married to Max Ernst. One Max of my favourites. Is he one of your favourites? I didn't know that. Max Ernst, Magritte, and MC Escher. She moved between Paris and Arizona with Max Ernst, and it's the sort of famous bit of the story is when they go to Sedona in Arizona, and Ernst builds Sedona. They go to Sedona in Arizona. Sedona. When they go to Sedona in Arizona. And Sedona in Arizona. <laughs> I have to edit all those. I know, but you did it to me. You, you know, want to warm it up? Nah, it's fine. So I'm going to have it as a treat after we've done this. So, what was I saying? And finally, we went to see a much more contemporary artist. Although, funnily enough, Franz West dies the same year as Dorothea Tanning. But he's just had a much shorter. He's much, he feels much more modern. Have you seen this? You open up the thing and it's a poster. Oh, it's a big poster of his big pink thing. <laughs> so Franz West started in the late 60s and only broke through in the 70s and in a way was a kind of very outsider figure, not well known or not really rated, working in Vienna in the, in the early 70s. And he, did, he was one of the pioneers of doing sculptures that you could play with or sit on or use. And then when he finally, a bit later in his career, graduated to doing bigger works that were being displayed on plinths and behind, behind you know, out of reach, he called it legitimate sculpture because he was taking the piss, basically. And when we went round, you said, oh, that really reminded you of Shrigley. Some of the posters towards the end, but this is what art should do. It should, like, disturb, like, um, Dorothea Tanning. This work is, some of it is disturbing. Um, not as disturbing as some of the stuff we've seen at the tape recently. But <laughs> this stuff is just makes you laugh because it's he's getting away with it. This art is should be funny. It's taking the piss out of the art establishment. It's taking the piss out of art... Um, Art goers, art lovers, as you walk around, go, mm, I love this, I love this paper mache sculpture. <laughs> and it's, some of it is just so huge and daft and mad. Um, it's just worth having a good look at. I just thought it was hilarious, the whole thing. And I've not really heard of this guy either. And yeah, he's subversive, I suppose. But it made me think, though, that he, he starts off doing lots of little cartoons of like the little rude postcards of like people having sex and stuff. Um, 
all very Benny Hill. And then you get, you get into like him doing these huge sculptures with paper mache, bright pink things. Don't you think it's amazing that this guy has been making paper mache sculptures and inflatables and they're in the tape modern? I just think it's brilliant. This they look cool. like children's water slides, some of them. They're just fab. They just made me laugh out loud. That's what art should do. We were going to talk about that film, um, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, there was a bit okay, of that about so it. There's that thing of like, what makes art art? And when we, we've come on a Tuesday afternoon and the impressionist room was absolutely mobbed full of people. And then in this room, it was pretty empty. But it reminds me of all those really interesting spaces in Berlin that you stumble across and you go, I don't know if it's art or not, but it's making a feeling in me. I'm having a feeling about it, whether it's like I absolutely hate it or I love it so much it makes me cry or whether I laugh at it it's all for the artist or just the sheer balls of it just makes me happy one little corner of it okay it's just these blocks of like um, paper mache cubes and they're on plinths okay in a really pretentious way and then on one of them the plinth is actually on top of the cube so it's like turned it on its head and it just made me laugh it's a visual joke it had to have been there but I just thought it was funny I'll try my sandwich yeah Franz West is at the Tate Modern until the 2nd of June and Dorothea Tanning which you have to see is on until the 9th of June and if you want to go and see Pierre Bonnard, The Colour of Memory, it's on till the 6th of May. They're all at Tate Modern. this incredible mural that got put up above the entrance to Brixton Underground Station last autumn but I didn't really see it until the last couple of months. Every time I pass by it I think it's just wonderful. Uh, it's a huge mural of a family in quite a casual setting like they're in their living room just standing around chatting several generations of a family but then in the background partly on the walls as art on the walls and just in the background is loads of stuff about black British history and Windrush and other aspects of particularly at the moment it references a current harrowing situation for the people from that like background Grenfell. but none of that's foregrounded what's foregrounded is this kind of quite calm domestic scene with a bunch of people stood around and it's absolutely beautiful it's by Akanyili Crosby and it's called Remain Thriving and if you are anywhere near Brixton Tube Station just definitely it's worth taking the time to have a look at it I mean obviously it's quite a weird space you can't stop and look at it because it's on the steps you kind of like I took a photo of it and I was really self-aware that I was immediately getting in people's way just by stopping to take a photo of it but it is really beautiful can you put that photo on you send it to me and I'll put it on the Insta yeah yeah I'll do that the refigure UK Instagram what are you reading for what are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for, Well, I was pleasantly surprised to get a copy of In the Shadow of My Former Self by Mr Jim Bob from Carter for my birthday. It's on Cherry Red Books. It is the next part of his life story. And 
it has quite a lot of Christy tea in it, <laughs> which is what Chris, who does this podcast with me, used to be. But isn't anymore. It's basically when Carter split up, that's when this story starts. There's quite a lot of funny anecdotes, and I always find biographies really interesting because the person who's written the biography will have kept records, and I suspect Jim is very good at keeping diaries and records of, of various tours, people he's met. Jim Bob is whatever you think of Carter. And most normal people of a certain age in Britain absolutely love Carter's lyrics. And Jim Bob is a master of making the most brilliant songs. At the beginning, he deconstructs one of his own songs, The Only Living Boy in New Cross. And it's just it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. I really enjoyed Carter so when I grew up. And I they were from South London. And there were two blokes with a drum machine. It was proper DIY punk. And their songs were political. And their songs were... <sighs> poignant and poetry so yeah i'm enjoying that what are you reading for i'm going to recommend a book i haven't finished yet but i'm really enjoying the beginning of it it's evan ratliff's the mastermind drugs empire murder and betrayal it's a great kind of true crime romp um it's the true story of the chase to find and capture and arrest a guy called Paul LaRue who created this enormous uh, internet based drug cartel he kind of had the two parts of his personality basically half of him was like this ultra nerdy Silicon Valley type and the other half was like a kind of El Chapo murderous ruthless drugs cartel type chap and uh Evan Ratliff I know of because he's one of the co-hosts of the Long Form Podcast, which is a brilliant podcast that interviews different non-fiction writers. It's an American podcast. But the three guys that co-host it are also all really high-quality writers and journalists in their own right, and Evan writes for The New Yorker and lots of other places. So that's probably why I got the idea to get the book, and it's it's just excellent book so far. I know what happens at the end. <laughs> But I don't know whether the... I don't know, I haven't formed an opinion yet. But it's really it's really worth checking out. And that's our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, ho- hope you're enjoying the second series of... Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe and leave nice reviews. I'll tell you what, we could redo really with some star ratings and reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. That would be really helpful. Tell your friends to listen to our podcast. Yes. Do we have anything to plug? I don't think I do. No, I have done all my things for the year. I'm done now. I'm not doing anything else ever again. Nice. Cheerio. Ta-ra. Don't fly up.